Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Commercial property leases, they can be a very daunting document to look at when you're first looking at a commercial property. There's so many terms in there, you don't know what's standard, what's not, and you don't know how it affects you practically in real life. So therefore, I'm here in this podcast, I'm going to go through the three major questions people ask about commercial properties, and especially about their leases and how that affects them. And I'll break it down for you step by step of what that means in real life and what you should be checking to make sure that you know what you get when you buy commercial property. You see, most people want to know the foundations and terms of the lease. And there's some really key terms you need to know about the lease. And then there is about the outgoings, who pays what, and who does what in terms of maintenance, in terms of obligations, in terms of who's responsible for paying for what, which is really important. And finally, people want to know about what happens if the tenant defaults on the rent. Now, that's really important, but you've got to know what happens in practicality when the tenant actually defaults rather than going and suing them. You want to know how that works in the practical space. When you first look at a lease, it can be really daunting, but once you get used to one, you know that as long as you answer those three key questions in commercial property leases and you are comfortable with the answers that you can get from those leases, then it's a matter of then weeding out the ones that you don't like, the leases that you don't like, and going with the leases that you like. Because once you have a lease in place with a tenant and you're buying a tenant and investment property, you can't really change the lease until a certain event has happened, which could be a rental increase or a market uh, review, or that the tenant might want to vary the lease because they're expanding the business or they want to uh, have an extension, or alternatives, there might be some major thing that happened to the property, like an act of God, or that the, the, the property cannot be fit for use for its current state. Then then you can alter the lease. Unless you have any of those things, you can't really alter the lease and the lease stays put and sometimes it can be three, five, even ten years. So you're obligated under those terms. So it's important to understand them from the beginning, which is again why I'm taking you through this in this podcast. But however, one of the most important things to focus on when you're looking at commercial leases is to know that if you're buying a vacant commercial property, you can do whatever you want with the lease because it's you who are negotiating with the incoming tenant. If you're buying a tenanted investment, you don't have control over the lease. The lease is as is and it will be set in stone for you going forward. So if you don't like the fact it doesn't have a bond, you can't negotiate on that. If you don't like the fact it doesn't have a, a director's guarantee, then it's not something you can change later on down the track. And or if you might, you know, like the operating hours or what the tenant's allowed to do, then don't buy the property. However, if you buy a vacant property, you can put all sorts of conditions in that lease that suits you. But also if you do that, you've got to think about if you're going to resell it, how that's going to set, how that's going to set you up for the resale as well. So there's lots of ins and outs about the lease. But before we go in depth, come with me through this journey where I'm going to ask you three key questions on commercial property leases, at least that will get you started on investing. Today I'm going to talk about the top three questions people ask me about commercial property leases. And the reason I want to talk about that with you today is because when you're doing a commercial property deal, leases are paramount. It's the absolutely go-to bible that you use to govern your relationship between yourself and the tenant. And so it's really important that you actually understand the lease. But most people ask me about three things. Firstly, 
outgoings, who pays outgoings, the type of lease it is, and who pays what and what you should be responsible for. So what are the tenant and the landlord, everything, who's responsible for what. Number two, they ask about all the terms and the length of the lease and how long and, and guarantees and everything else that constitutes so the baseline of the lease and number three what happens if the tenant goes bust and defaults under the lease so they seem to be three really straightforward things if you know what you're looking for in commercial property world but if you're a first-time investor it can be very very confusing so i'm going to mystify the top three questions about commercial property so number one who pays what so in commercial property there is what we call a net lease double net triple net lease, right? So working backwards, a net lease is when your tenant pays the rent plus the outgoings, but they may not pay for land tax or management fees, or they might not pay for, if they're in a strata property, they might pay for a sinking fund, but nothing of the capital nature. So um, they might not pay for sinking fund, or they pay for admin fund, right? So that's called a net lease, but all of the other capital expenditures like taxes and everything else, you have to pay for. So that's one type of lease. The other one is a double net lease. Double net lease is when your tenant comes in and the tenant pays for everything, right? So they pay for land tax on a single holding basis. It's got to be a single holding. You can't lump it together with your other properties. It goes over the land tax threshold and you have to get your tenant to pay. No, land tax is based on single base holding. Management fees, all of the other statutory outgoings like rates, water, sewerage, insurance, they also do would do in strata they'll pay for admin and sinking fund so they'll pay for all of that and it becomes what we call a double net lease and that is what you'll see often in the marketplace is a double net lease but then there's one level above that which is what they call a triple net lease and that usually happens with national tenants international tenants uh, government type tenants as well as your franchise type tenants and this is why people want to buy something like a petrol station or a, a childcare center or a, a Centrelink and all of these things is because it is a triple net lease in in essence. So what it is, they'll pay for all of the things that's in part of the double net lease. So they'll pay for all of the outgoings. Plus what else they'll pay for is repairs and maintenance. So let's say the ceiling comes loose and like the ceiling tiles comes loose and you have to replace it. The property manager goes and replaces it, emails it to your emails the invoice to your tenant or puts it a part of the outgoings invoice and your tenant has to pay for it. Uh, things like uh, if like the fence is broken or the garden needs maintaining or that um, let's say that you've got an outdoor area and the pavement is getting it's broken then they're on a triple net lease so the tenant pays for that including in some instances what property managers like to tell me including the stamp they put on the envelope to send to the tenant their invoice so that's what a triple net lease is that your tenant covers absolutely everything the money goes into your account you just pay the bank and the rest is absolutely for you to keep. So that's your that's it for leases. So now, depending on what your actual lease says regarding outgoings, you can work out what your tenant pay and what you don't pay and what you do pay. Now, the area to look for that is usually two areas. The schedule, which could be at the back of the lease or the front of the lease. Any details, just in brief summary, what the tenant's going to do and what you're going to do there's an outgoing section it's going to say whether the tenant pays 100% of the outgoings or a proportion of the outgoings to compare to their letable area and you go to the definition section of the lease and you look at the definition of how they define the lease uh, out, uh, defining the lease what the outgoings are and they'll have a list of the outgoings the tenant's responsible for now there will be a section on outgoings and how that's paid but the main thing is you want to define exactly what it is and that's the two areas to look for in your lease you can always get that confirmed with myself 
or any of the professionals you work with or your lawyers or accountants or solicitors, right? So that's who pays who in the lease. Number two, we talked about that people ask. And number two question that people ask is you know, the terms and and the foundations of what makes the, the essential clauses in the lease apart from who's paying out going. Well, lease terms are like broken up. When people say, I've got a 10-year lease, I always question that. Is that 10 years in the initial term? So do they sign up in 2021 and their lease expires in 2031? Or do they sign up in 2021, their lease expires in 2026, but they have an option till 2031? Because for me, that is not a 10-year lease. That's a five-year by five-year lease. So it's a five-year lease, what they call a term certain or they call the initial term of five years plus an option for five years. Yes, overall it's a 10-year lease, but it's not a guaranteed 10-year lease. And sometimes they fudge that a little bit in the agent's uh, advertising. So what you actually will see is agents will say, hey, it's a 10-year lease. But no, it's not a 10-year lease. It is actually a five by five by maybe five-year lease. So they call it a 10 or 15-year lease. So really that lease is a five-year lease with five-year options. And that means that for five years, your absolute tenant is going to stay there. After that, the tenant has the option to stay for an additional five years or they can choose not to take the option and negotiate with you on a separate lease uh, and get into a different lease after that or shorten the option or just simply take up the option, right? Or they might just decide to vacate and you have to find a new tenant. So that's where uh, that's where the option confuses people. But it is a good sign. If your tenant wants to have a five by five year lease, it's a good sign that they want to take up the option and they have long-term planning on a property and where they want to be as a tenant in the future. So that's good. The other thing is obviously about rental, uh, about you've got your rental bonds, so your deposit and your bond that your tenant is paying compared to a bank guarantee. Now, a debate in the market is do you want a bank guarantee, which you know there's assets backing it and the bank is issuing at any time you can cash that in, or you had a cash bond from your tenant. Usually the cash bond is upfront, and I prefer a cash bond over a bank guarantee because I often lose my paperwork, but also that you know you don't have to track it and it's actually real cash. You can put in an offset account, saving you interest from day one, whereas a piece of paper is not going to. But people have varying views. My view is that I just prefer a cash bond. Now the other thing is uh Personal guarantee or not personal guarantee. Some people prefer a personal guarantee over a bond. Sometimes you get a lease that has a bond and a personal guarantee. Sometimes you get a pro property that has a bond, no personal guarantee, or you have one that's no bond, personal guarantee, right? Which one do you prefer? Well, obviously you can get both, you get both, but often the circumstance right now, you can't get both, right? So what I would prefer is I always prefer a cash bond because you can put it in the bank and it's money there and it saves you some interest over a personal guarantee. A lot of people, especially lawyers, in the legal industry prefer personal guarantee because their word is their bond and they feel like there's substance. But I can tell you that unless your tenant is a sophisticated tenant or unless your tenant actually have assets, that personal personal guarantee may mean nothing. Right? And the reason for that is if they don't have assets behind them, if the asset is in asset protection, even if they default under the lease, there's nothing you can go after them. And it can be really expensive for you to go after them where you could just take their deposit and the deposit on a large premise could be hundreds of thousands of dollars or at least twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars on a small property. And you off you go, you actually then just get on with your life, retenant the property and actually saves you costs in the long run. But that's just my two cents worth. You make up your decision whether you prefer a bond or a rental guarantee. And really, ultimately, that's what, what um, the, the foundations is to work through the rent, the bond or personal guarantee or the bank guarantee 
and work through when you're getting your rental increases and how much the rental increases, whether it's a CPI, which is based on consumer price index, or it's a fix, whether it's three, four or 5%, which is good, which is better. Look, there's huge debates in the marketplace. CPI at the moment is the favorite because we're going to see high CPIs, but traditionally it's been the fix. And if you're managing yourself or you plan to self-manage, fix is actually a lot easier. And I guess it gives you defined growth. So you can all define how much cash flow you're going to get next year, next year, and how it compounds as well. So that's also the additional benefit. Now, finally, we come to number three. The third question, which is about what happens when your tenant defaults on the lease. Now, commercial property works different from residential. We all know that. But the reason that it works different from residential is that in residential, you have to go through tribunals, evicted tenants, always on your tenant's side. In commercial, apart from you having a retail lease, so retail tenants act on different legislation. But if you just have a normal commercial lease, it's absolute the tenant has to pay rent. Right? You have to pay rent. If they don't pay rent, you can kick them out. And it's it can be simple as that. Basically, lock up the premise, change the locks, kick them out, and then you resume the premise. You you can then terminate the lease and retenant the property. But you can also sue your tenant for the balance of the the lease because they owe that balance of the lease. And if it under a certain amount, it's small claims court. If it's above amount, it's you know in a different other court, and you have to get solicitors and of course you have to get legal representation to help you get that money back and chase the tenant. But you have to mitigate your loss, which means you have to actively seek a different tenant for the property, right? And that's what here it comes into that you have to actively do that. So if your tenant, and this is where the swiftness comes in, if your tenant is defaulting in rent, yeah, let it go for a month maybe, and you go, oh, you're sending you any circumstances, something happened, you might be sick. If it continues on, then you might be going, you know what, call it quits. Work out a settlement with your tenant. If that doesn't work, kick out the tenant, resume the lease, uh, basically, you know, get hold of the lease back and terminate the lease, start tenanting the property, start going out and getting a tenant for the property. In fact, you can start marketing for the property, especially in a well-to-do area, in a great area. You might find that you might tenant with a higher rent anyway. You bring the new tenant in and then you can work out a settlement with the other tenant. This way, it's a proactive approach. When the tenant is defaulting in rent, yes, the tenant has absolutely liability against the, the, the lease. You have to minimize your loss under the lease, but ultimately, it's money and cash flow in the pocket. And you have to be proactive. You have to drive the process. You have to make sure that you can tenant the property as soon as possible because it's all about cash flow in the pocket and less about um, what you should be doing legally. Yes, there's a legal process. You have to give them a breach notice that gives them, allow them the seven to 14 days to remedy the rent losses. You can lock the premise and obviously with their pay up rent, you have to give them back. You have to um, open up the premise again. There's a whole raft of things you can do but the most important thing is that it is about being uh, proactive here and really uh really making sure you minimize the vacancy pros period by you know engaging agents going out there with marketing talking to your tenant to come to an equitable solution for both of you because if you go to court it's going to be very very expensive you're going to try to avoid that so hopefully that's covered all of your questions or the main questions on commercial property leases. If you want more information, if you want someone to just help you dissect where you are at the moment, where you want to go, you want someone to help you because you have some lease issues and you just want to reach out and get a professional voice, reach out to me, helentarrant.com or helen at commercialpropertycashflow.com.au. But don't forget, subscribe, hit the bell, keep watching for upcoming videos and send me information if you want new topics as well. Thank you.
You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.